auto winning team and suddenly you're like oh playing is fun again So, all four quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views, and overreactions to all things NFL. We've been gone for a week or two because there's been COVID stuff happening in the league, uh, but we're back to our previews, and this week it's the NFC East and the NFC North. So, hey, we've got Ronan here. How are you getting on? Hello. And Connor, and I'm back in the country-ish. I'm in uh, Northern Ireland at the moment. <laughs> I'm back in, Iraq in the 36-hour window when I was still allowed to fly out of it. If you're going to have partition, you might as well get something out of it, you know? Mm. Too right, too right. How's all done with yourself in Cork? You've been hit by a minor heat wave, I hear. Yeah, yeah, bit of a uh, bit of a heat wave down here. Though I hear it's it's going to be inter- interfered with by some uh, convection style rain. So that'll be fun. Yeah, like it's hot down here, and I'm working from home, and there's no air conditioning, so it is what it is. Like, so it's not the most pleasant thing in the morning, but you know, overall, you can't really complain too much. Like once you get out there and you actually sit down or lie down for a while, it's pretty sweet. Like. No, of course, it'd be nice. Yeah, we're uh, we're quarantining at the moment up here in Derry, so we've kind of we've taken out a, a place for a month, and we're minimising contact with the outside world. So, uh, so very fun. So today, I got a got a few nice bits of food. I've been, as you'd imagine, spending about a week and a half just eating all the pork products in the world and <laughs> black pudding and sausages and steaks and everything's class. So I suppose we should fly into some of the news, as you can imagine, the reason that we weren't with you for the last week or two as a lot of stuff was changing. The uh, COVID-19 update for the NFL is that the NFL and the NFL Players Association have agreed for the season how it's going to work. There's going to be no preseason games. There's going to be aggressive daily testing, I believe is the plan. A slow ramp up to camp, so a lot more weightlifting, tape work rather than physical contact practices and so on. They've also built in an opt-out clause for players who uh, don't want to play due to COVID or have underlying medical conditions that would make them worried about playing during COVID. So that then will then be, they're going to spread the hit to the cap that might happen from the revenue side of things over multiple years. Essentially what we've got is it looks at the moment like the season will start in September We have 69 players who have opted out due to the COVID-19 clause that's there. New England have been hit the hardest with eight players opting out, including big names like Donta Hightower, Marcus Cannon, Patrick Chung. There's a lot of other players who have opted out, Kansas City running back Damian Williams and their offensive guard, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, Chicago's Eddie Goldman, New York Jets, CJ Mosley, Nate Solder, Devin Funches, Joanne James, Michael Pierce and Star Lutalady. So there's a couple of big names that are in there and it's a mixture of choosing to opt out for underlying medical conditions, but a lot of it tends to be, a big recurring theme was those who've just recently had children or are due to have children very shortly and wanting to protect them and, uh, and and not have the interaction. So I believe they're being paid 150000 for the year that will yeah. then be coming out of future salaries or something along those lines yeah. and that their contracts will exist as they exist now starting next year instead. Yeah, so the one ex- exception is that if you had a genuine medical reason for opting out, let's say you had cancer in the past, then you got a $300,000 stipend rather than 150000 and that that wouldn't come out of your future wages. That would actually be a grant. But obviously, most of these players were doing it just out of a, a, a concern for their family or for other situations like that. And yeah, like there was some pretty significant hits there. Like New England, obviously, we'll kind of expect maybe they can work around it because it's New England. But, you know, Eddie Goldman is a pretty big loss into that Chicago defense, and they're probably wanted to be a defensive first team. CJ Mosley, he only played a couple of games last year for the Jets, and now he's opting out for another season. 
And then, you know, you had like Devin Funches, they were expecting him to do stuff in the Green Bay offense. And then like a couple of free agents like Michael Pierce and Starlou Latoule, who were both expected to contribute to their team. So, you know, there was also a lot of like lower down players as well who aren't talking about here. 69 players in total isn't a non-significant amount of players. But, you know, now that window is closed, teams know where they stand. And except for the effect that COVID might have in season, we more or less have a better idea of where teams are going to be. Like the reason that we we took a couple of weeks off is because suddenly players were, were dropping out like flies and we're like, uh... Maybe, maybe we shouldn't preview the season without quite uh, getting uh, getting uh, yeah, there was, information there was, in. There was a couple of players that are not playing now that we've already previewed. So as you can imagine, yeah. the loss of Donta, <laughs> Cannon and Chung probably impact our discussion of the New England defence in the upcoming season. On the plus side, I think it just brings your prediction a little bit closer to my prediction for them because I was already a little bit more on the downside. But we'll see. So the way that's going to work then in season four players who test positive for COVID is that they'll be put on temporary COVID IR, which is classified as a footballing injury. They will still get paid as standard while they have it. I think it's a three week turnaround expected for them to be able to go from a positive and confirmed test to back on the field unless there was further complications. Yeah. So there's 106 players so far that have ended up on that temporary COVID list. And then there's also then there's there's some there's some questions around the structure of how they're going to report this stuff because Matt Stafford was listed as having tested positive and then they found out that it was a false positive and that it wasn't an issue. But in the interim, his wife has said that they experienced people telling them that children weren't allowed to go to school, getting kicked out of a out of a shopping center because yeah. of fears. So basically there's going to be a lot of questions about how the NFL handles this information and how it goes about it. Just to give a couple of ideas, some of the players who have been on, who've been put on the temporary COVID list, Justin Jefferson, Anthony Barr, Lane Johnson, Kenny Galladay, a couple of coaches as well. So Doug Peterson was, uh, listed as having it. And I think uh, we haven't actually gotten to watch it yet, but the episode of Hard Knocks from last night announced that, uh, was it Anthony Lynn? Anthony Lynn, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think he had it back. He had back, he had it back a while ago Well, Pedersen picked it up just very recently. Obviously, we know uh, Sean Payton, the Saints coach, also had it earlier on in this uh, pandemic. The Matt Stafford situation, I think they've already tightened up how they're communicating these to the media and to the public. I think they're probably going to be a little bit more you don't get the result in the public as quick until it's been double confirmed, basically, at this mm-hmm. point. But one of the other players who, who ended up getting a false positive was uh, Gardner Minshew, but he kind of took it more on the chin, basically making a Chuck Norris-type joke, yeah, saying yeah. that the COVID-19 ran away from him, and that's why he doesn't have it. <laughs> so, you know, like, this is obviously having an effect. Like, even in the first week of this, the Buffalo had to send their rookies home for online instruction because they had an outbreak, an early cluster. So we expect that there'll be players in and out of this, but I think the good news is that 76 of the players who of the 106 who've ended up being on this list have come back off it already. And on average, they're kind of coming off in seven days. So I imagine a lot of those people are coming off early are probably people who are close contacts um, or about a false positive. Sorry, that's something I forgot to mention as well, that people who have been in close contact with someone who tests positive will also be put on this list for for quarantining. So that's... that that's a situation that I think you know most players are coming off this quite quick, and there's only a handful of players I think who've been on it for anything longer than ten days. You know there will inevitably be one or two players who will end up having a long term illness from this and may end up missing significant game time. But mm-hmm. I think for the vast majority of players, as we expect with this disease, that most of them will kind of get it and get over it, or will have been close contacts who will turn out to have been negative for the disease. So we'll see how it goes, and then obviously. It's having a huge effect on the other side of the football world that we usually don't talk about as well, of course. Yeah, college football cancellations are coming in rather quickly. So two of the big Power Five have cancelled their seasons with the other ones under pressure. Uh, There's some team votes still ongoing at the moment, I think, about this. Yeah, like the second tier FCS is kind of 
basically cancelled because there's a lot of opt-outs. There's been some talks about multiple options, like, will they run a spring league? But the problem then being that it runs into the draft. And then there's some NFL PA requirements that the draft can't happen any later than the end of May or the start of yeah. June. So how that would kind of knock on. Um, the big one that's interesting that, to be honest, I'd say the NFL are you know, positive externalities and all that. Uh, if college football is cancelled, NFL are in discussions to take over the Saturday television slots as well. And God knows possibly even some of the Friday TV slots too. And it could just be all oh, NFL yeah. all the time. Yeah, like the, there's already a lot of talk about all the different slots that they're willing to take. Like they have enough games most week that they can spread it out. Obviously it reduces the value of something like Red Zone, but that's only really of interest to us nerds. But yeah, like two of the big, the big five college divisions, like the Big Ten and the Pac-12, they're opting out. That puts a lot of pressure on the remaining ones, like the SEC. But the SEC is probably the only one right now that's been bullish about going, no, we're going to go ahead anyway. Because the SEC is probably the biggest in terms of like team power, kind of like in terms mm-hmm. of money, and they'll go ahead. And even some of those teams that exist within the Big Ten and Pac-12 are already talking about basically jumping ship and joining one of the other divisions temporarily just so that they can play this season. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a lot, probably a lot more, you know, shenanigans to go on. Um, mm-hmm. And we'll see how that all turns out. And yeah, the FCS, which is the second tier, basically cancelled completely. I don't think that's going to happen because obviously there's so much less money involved in that second tier of college football. So And they have a lot more prestigious colleges as well. So it's not surprising to see that there's a, you know, that that will basically be cancelled. Yeah. So. You know, if a spring league happens, it'll be interesting. Obviously, you wouldn't expect the big names like uh, Trevor Lawrence uh, or Justin Fields to play during a spring league because why would you risk it at that point? But it would, you know, I think for players who are on the bubble or who have, you know, trying to get their stock up, it would be an interesting experiment. And obviously, you know, it, I don't think I, we're going to mention it in the news here, but you know, there's obviously going to be competition in the spring league after The Rock and his uh, corporate partners, you know, replicated, <laughs> replicated the ballers. Yeah, full ballers and then purchase the XFL or the corpse of the XFL. And we'll see if that comes back next year mm. as well. Yeah, does it? Um, I have heard mention of that. That's kind of like the, if there wasn't games to be played, all those players. Because the thing is, this doesn't have a big impact on the ones who are expected to be first round material going into the season. Maybe it'll affect their position within the first round or so, but nothing. It's the guys who are fighting to make the draft, the guys who are kind of going, well, I think I'm a third round guy, but I'm going to be a seventh round guy if I don't get tape out there, that there'll be guys who'll want to play more so than the than the big names even. Like, um, like there's three, maybe four quarterbacks, like really, I think it's three is usually what people are saying right now, who right now, like, well, Trevor Lawrence would almost certainly go number one and Justin Fields would almost certainly be a top 10 pick. But like if you're below that tier as a quarterback and there's a spring league on, there's a decent chance you might play because if you yeah. do really well in that, there's a chance that you can, you know, it's probably too late now to do a full Joe Burrow on it, but you can obviously get yourself into that conversation. If anyone wants a very entertaining thing to do, uh, just to see what the likelihood of, um, we'll, we'll be talking in the transaction in the second why this might not be the worst setup for you guys with the Seahawks. If you want to see how difficult this is going to be for the draft next year, whenever there's no tape, you can go to the far too early predictions, uh, draft predictions online, where most of the most of the college football heads and draft nicks will, before the start of the season, put out where they think the top 50 are going to be. <laughs> My God, they're awful by comparison to like where people actually end up. There's a few cases where they should have trusted their gut on earlier stuff, but for the most part, it's just all over the shop. And like you said, um, the Joe Burrow is the prime example of his, it was his last season in college, 
Like otherwise, he was like a third or fourth round guy. Yeah, I think at best. So we'll move on to the transaction. So the reason I referenced the the draft being a little bit messy. Seattle have traded their twenty twenty one first, their twenty twenty two first, their twenty twenty one third round pick, and safely Bradley Bradley McDougal for Jamal Adams and a twenty twenty one fourth from the New York Jets. Obviously, Jamal Adams is a superstar player. Really, really, really good one of the top safeties in the league, should fit very nicely into that Seattle defense. Uh, Bradley McDougald is probably a higher value player than I would have expected them to send back, but obviously Jamal Adams will be taking in that spot and there wouldn't be as much need for him. This is a good player for this Seattle system. The question is just have they overpaid for this position because that's two firsts, because let's just forget the third and the fourth thing. Two firsts and a player... And you're going to have to pay him and you're already paying the quarterback. And the safety, while he's an excellent safety, is often seen as being the cheaper piece that you can add into that back end. And there's no way that they can't give him that kind of market setting kind of deal after they've spent two firsts and a third on. Yeah, and that's certainly a legitimate point. I think if you just think of Jamal Adams as purely a strong safety, then it's hard to justify this deal. But obviously, with the Seahawks are picking up, they're hoping that he becomes more like a, a Cam Chancellor type player, almost like a linebacker safety hybrid. And of course, one of the big issues the Seahawks had last year is that they had to play most of their base defense because they didn't have any linebacker depth. They had like mm-hmm. three linebackers and that was it. And then they had no real safety depth either. So they kind of just ended up having to play base all the time. And it actually worked out fine. Like, I don't think it was as bad as people thought, but. You know, I think if you want to have flexibility and flexibility is the name of the game, then Jamal Adams is that type of piece like Jamal Adams. You know, he's good in the box. He's You can use him as a, a situational pass rusher. He's good in coverage. He, he eliminates tight ends from the game based on his tape. And that's something the Seahawks have been very bad at in recent years. And I think it reflects that maybe to a certain extent that the Seahawks, like obviously they're, they, they're well known for their traditional like single man high safety uh, cover tree type scheme that they had the Legion of Boom during but I think you know the reality is, is that over the last few years they've moved more towards having to uh, you know cover two those type of schemes and I think Jamal Adams is a reflection of the need to be more flexible so like Jamal Adams he's had so much production you know we know he's he's got a few interceptions he gets a lot of sacks for a safety um, and he gets a lot of um, knockdowns and stuff like that so I think Look, like I think, given where the Seahawks are, you know, Russell Wilson is getting into his well into his thirties now. You know, Bobby Wagner is in his thirties now. KJ Wright's in the thirties now. Like, there's a lot of young pieces there that they're going to be building around. But I think they are definitely in a win now, like window right now. Just given where those elite players are, they have a lot of good players right now, but their elite players mm-hmm. are getting on. And Jamal Adams is the kind of thing that can get them over the top because, like, you know, given where they were last year, like a, a you know a single play away from being the number one seed in the NFC. I think, you know, they want to, I think they think that they're in a championship window and they want to go for it all. And of course, yeah, given the draft situation next year, perhaps those 20, those first round picks next year aren't going to be worth as much and you might as well get good value for them now. You know, I, you know, like obviously you'd want to pay less, but I think the Seahawks, we know they're all often aggressive in trading. And in this case, they saw a player they really, really wanted. And, you know, as usual, they, they go out and do it. And sometimes it works out like with Marshawn Lynch and sometimes it doesn't work out like with uh, Jimmy Graham. 
So, so I think it'll be interesting. Like I said, I think he's a good fit for them. Uh, I think it's just a question of longevity about who they'll have to be yeah. paying. But uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, Miami also traded a 2021 seventh round pick for tight end Adam Shaheen from Chicago. I don't even know who he is. So uh, Yeah, well, they have so many tight ends in Chicago. They might as well give some to someone else. <laughs> that's true. That's true. The Chargers have extended defensive end Joey Bosa. So as you imagine, this was kind of a, an edge class that was getting good money as it stands. Think back to the 125 million miles Garrett got. He's now been bested. Bosa gets a five-year, 135 million, 102 million guaranteed contract. He has been very good for the Chargers. If you remember back to all of the hand wringing whenever he came into the league, because that he wasn't turning up for practice, he wanted to make sure his stuff was sorted in advance, and then he just came in and has just been like probably top five at his position for them for or top ten at the very least for the last couple of years. This seems like it makes an awful lot of sense to me. Uh, he's, he's only 25 years old. He's coming into his prime. Like, obviously, you'd have to have a few concerns about, you know, some of his health issues. He's had two seasons where he, you know, had issues. So he played mm-hmm. all of last year and got 11 and a half sacks. So I think, you know, he's one of these players who is a, is a like elite level technician, but also is a, like a, it's a good like he's a very you know physically gifted player as well. But he's an elite technician. He can play pretty much anywhere along the line and basically will help you both in the pass rush, of course, where he gets over 10 sacks uh, pretty much every time he plays a full season and mm-hmm. is also a great in run support as well. So you're talking about someone here that ultimately makes the entirety of the rest of the defense better. And um, when you have players like Ingram and Derwin James alongside him in that defense, obviously you're hoping there's Anthony Lynn that you can build there the nucleus of a, of a truly elite defense. And you want to keep someone like Bosa in, in house, if you're going to do that, like in terms of the money, yes, it's a lot of money, especially given maybe the cap situation might be tighter going on. But as far as I know, like they, they don't like you know they just pick the rookie. They have Terod Taylor. Yeah, they don't have the money there, so they have the spare cash to throw around. And you know you might as well use it on the guys inside to keep the morale up. And the Chargers, <laughs> like let's be honest, they don't have a lot to hang their hat on. They've got twelve fans, and those fans know Joey Bosa, so they um, might as well because they've already gotten rid of Rivers and like Antonio sure. Gates and everyone who's who's kind of famous for them. Uh, so they might as well. San Francisco restructured the contract of running back Raheem Moser. Uh, they give him a lump of incentives so he can potentially earn double his money. This ends this kind of ongoing, oh, I want to be traded. Well, actually, no, I don't want to be traded. Uh, if you just pay me some more money to stay here, I'd be happy to stay here kind of thing. I suppose it's kind of a win-win. Like, Bosa gets a chance at more money. If he hits his incentives, he'll get some. If he hits his incentives, he'll get paid in the open market afterwards. It really just felt more like a look, this. This gives you something you can say you got, and yeah. we can move past it. I don't think there's much really in this. Yeah, I think it just escalated a bit quickly, and and the team went look like you can get up to much. You can get twice your money if you do well, and he's kind of like, oh, all right, that that's fine. Like I think. You know, I think given the current situation in terms of holdouts and stuff, I don't think being a running back, how much of a market would there be for your services? I think he kind of. His agent yeah. probably talked him down a bit and he's happy enough to take the deal. Perfect. We'll go kind of speed round through the rest of them. Cincinnati signed defensive tackle Mike Daniels. Helps him at that position. They needed some extra bodies there. Not a not a bad move at all. Tampa Bay signed running back with Sean McCoy. Nice. They're gathering up a lot of players who were very good five years ago. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't see that. Like, he couldn't get off the bench for the Chiefs for the Super Bowl. So, like, I... I'm not sure what value he's really bringing yeah, to that. I think where they've got the rookie and they've got everything in. Lamar Miller is in New England. Are we hyped? Yeah, let's go 3.4 yards per carry. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, Kansas City signed guard Clutch Assembly. Uh, this is basically just because 
uh, Laurent Tavernier Tardif uh, opted out, so they needed a guard. He had he's had good seasons in the past, but the last two or three years have been underwhelming. So hopefully, he's you know it doesn't have to be overwhelming as long as he's just whelming. Denver offensive tackle uh, they picked up Demar Dotson again following a opt out of Joanne James, so they're just looking for someone to plug into that line. Seems fine. I think basically a lot of these are just going to be fine. Yeah, they're uh, fine. Like these are all veterans that you might have heard of, and they'll all have a role probably. Perhaps like Shady might just get cut, but I think most of these guys will have a chance to get in the roster and do something. But yeah. there's also I don't, uh, there's a reason all these guys are still available right now, and mm-hmm. there's a decent chance they might get beaten out by a rookie or, or a young uh, guy as well. Chandler Catanzaro is now in with the Giants after Aldrich Rosa was caught out where he's hitting run charges, and Carolina cut Graham Gano. Crime of punishment. The story we told you about in our last episode is continued a bit more. So New York Giants cornerback DeAndre Baker is charged with four counts of felony robbery with a firearm he's on the exempt list the commissioner's exempt list and will face i think a mandatory minimum of like 12 years if he gets done for this yeah we'll, we'll see how it goes but yeah i think that's what he's facing yeah so the um seattle cornerback quentin dunbar has not been charged and he's off the exempt list which tells me he's snitching <laughs> well he's def- he's defending baker in the, the media but i think Either he, he's innocent, of course, or, you know, he was better prepared, uh, you know, going back to those Chris Carter, Chris Carter instructions from back in the day. Always have a fall guy. <laughs> but yeah, um, Quentin Dunbar so, is a snitch. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. So like Quentin Dunbar, like he was expected to be a major contributor to Seattle and now they're getting him back. But yeah, DeAndre Baker is probably done in the NFL yeah. if he's found guilty, which things aren't looking great for him. But given the whole lawyer, legal, all that stuff, maybe... Maybe it could still fall apart. You know, it was a long-running saga throughout the off-season, and this is where it's ended up. And one of the guys will go on to have a full season, and one of the guys will be very nervous about his immediate future and uh, can basically forget about the NFL for for now. Yeah, speaking of somebody who can forget about the NFL for the future and definitely for now, uh, Washington running back Darius Geis who's no longer with the Washington football team. He's been charged with domestic abuse and strangulation, three counts of assault and battery, and one count of destruction of property against his girlfriend, who apparently, according to court documents, was unconscious and stuff like this. There's a horrible story if you want to read up on the details, but basically Washington, in a shock move, does the right thing, and they decide to just cut his ass. He's not going to be playing this year, and I would imagine as long as even a fraction of what's in these charges is true. He won't be playing for a very long time. It probably assists that move that he's been injured for the last couple of seasons uh, and while showed promise, never lived up to his draft status. Yeah, and like he's one of these guys that maybe people know more from fantasy than from his actual production on the field. Like He, he, he looked good in the few times he was on the field, but he's never mm-hmm. been healthy. And given this type of rap sheet, it's just not good and it's not something that teams want to be associated with or should want or should want to be associated with. So yeah, this yeah. is probably the end of Darius Geis in the NFL and uh, hopefully he, he see we see justice in this case. Yeah, no, it'll be good. Uh, free agent wide receiver Antonio Brown has finally got the uh, freedom to go and search after teams. Uh, he's got an eight-game suspension. Basically, the, the stance on this is eight games doesn't start till he's signed to a team. So a team can't just wait until week nine and sign him. They have to sign him and wait out the- it makes it less likely that we'll see him, but I like I find it hard to not think that someone will get a injury or a COVID injury to a player and just say, look, fuck it, we'll need him for the back end of the run and give him a shot. 
like loads of teams over the summer have been associated with him and have been linked with him. So I think there is definitely interest out there. But as you say, it, it's you have to sacrifice a roster spot for half a season to put him on there. We'll see if someone is willing to take the plunge or not. And then obviously on the plunge that Antonio Brown will be, you know, a good, useful player who doesn't ruin your locker room. Functional um, football players. So, there. you know, there's a lot of risk there. But I think given his talent, you know, it's still like 50-50. They might end up on a roster anyway. Like, I, personally, I wouldn't. But, you know, you know that yeah. talent is there. Maybe one team will, will be tempted enough to do it. No, of course. Uh, Detroit safety, uh, Jaron Curse has been suspended for three games under Sumpson's abuse policy. Uh, just a couple of quick injury updates. Cincinnati cornerback Trey Waynes has a pec injury, so that could take him out for up to two months. Buffalo guard John <laughs> Felciano has a torn pictorial, so that's him done for the season. And in possibly the most bizarre news I've heard in a long time, Alex Smith has been cleared to play football. He's back with the Washington football team, and uh, Ron Rivera has said that He's not not saying that it's not going to happen, that Alex could uh, challenge for the starting job there. He's currently on the pup list, I believe, for them. But, uh, yeah, even if even if Alex Smith just spends the years of backup and doesn't throw a pass, just give that man the Comeback Player of the Year award. I yeah. saw the video of his leg injury. I saw that thing he had to get put into. Like, good God. Like, it's a feel-good story, obviously, just because, you know, Alex Smith seems like a good guy and a genuine guy. But... Uh... Look, like, personally speaking, if I was in Alex Smith's shoes, I would probably would just not. But obviously, if he feels like he can do it, if he's healthy enough, then maybe he'll be tempted to at least give it a shot. But I think he'll I think he sh- he'll probably know pretty quickly whether he's got it or not still and then make a decision in the best interest of, of his career and his, his life going forward. Like, I think he, he's well respected within the organization. So there's probably a de- like some kind of like, in-house position for him even if he decides to retire oh, yeah. well, so thing, like i reckon yeah. he walks into a coaching job anyway afterwards well, best of luck for whatever he wants to do like 100 percent, and with that we'll move on to our preview of the nfc east okay so first up we have the cowboys uh big moves this offseason obviously bringing in mike mccarthy as the head coach they've added cd lamb cam irving and andy dalton Oh, Andy Dalton's going to be the difference maker here. Um, they've also added Gerald McCoy, Antonio, or sorry, Anthony Brown. Jeez, he's on the head since the, uh, the discussion about Haha Clinton Dix and um, Trayvon Diggs. They lost Jason Garrett. Oh, no. Who will clap like that? Uh, Byron Jones, Robert Quinn, Jeff Heath, Dontari Poe, Molly Collins, Travis Frederick, Randall Cobb, Jason Witten, and Sue Filo. So Mike McCarthy was quite maligned at the tail end of his time with Green Bay saying that he was wasting you know the prime years of Aaron Rodgers and so on whereas realistically a lot of what's come out since and a lot of what some of the vibe in that team is is it actually you know he's a bit of a pain in the arse to work with and was constantly changing the calls of the line and wasn't respecting the head coach Mike yeah, McCarthy he, he had a massage Connor he had a massage allegedly yeah that's true <laughs> like McCarthy for all the criticism he got beforehand has apparently you know, really spent the year off thinking about what he was doing and completely changed his philosophy on football and he's coming in differently. But he does have a track record of taking a fairly good top-heavy roster like this roster and doing well with it. Stacked Green Bay Packers teams had success. His problem was not bringing in the free agents, not refreshing the talent. The talent really, when we, we talk about this every year, the Cowboys roster is pretty good. A couple of really nice high-end pieces. I like the addition of CeeDee Lamb onto that offense as well. It gives them extra options. Uh, I like them getting rid of uh, <laughs> getting rid of Jason Witten because, you know, like 
I don't really know what he was giving them apart from, you know, him not having to commentate anymore. I think McCarthy's going to do pretty well with this team. I think Dak will listen to him in a way that Rodgers wouldn't. Because uh, I think Dak is in that awkward spot of, you know, he's still up in the air about whether he's got a long-term contract or not. He's getting paid this year. He doesn't want to put himself at risk and he doesn't want to really do too much. So surely he'll be kind of the perfect guy to just run a McCarthy system for him. And, and like they kept Kellen Moore, their offensive coordinator from last year. So there is continuity there. And the offense, like the offense wasn't really the problem last year. They were scored a lot of points. Most games, they were very competitive, but their defense just took a major step back. It felt like, and you know, they were competitive, but perhaps given the level of elite talent that they feel they have, and because they're the Cowboys as well, and as Jerry Jones, they they kind of feel like they didn't, they don't, they haven't reached where they think they should be reaching. Like basically, Jerry Jones isn't going to be happy unless they're winning Super Bowls. Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, and then you look at the changes, and again, you bring in Mike McCarthy there. Like I think the major criticism that was coming from football heads from him at the end was that his scheme had become tired. Uh, overly um, overly predictable and that was you know depending what side of the uh, the argument the you take that, yeah. that's why Aaron Rodgers was, was taking the thing away from him like with Dak with Dak you're probably not talking about someone who's as influential or, or with as big an ego as Aaron Rodgers in terms of like I want to control the game and I think yeah like Dak he has something to prove I think Dak wants to do really well this season because A he'll get a lot of money but also just to prove them wrong I think Dak kind of has a guy you know he's a guy who was drafted maybe a little bit later than most starters in the league well has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder and obviously the money that you get for being a major franchise star for a major franchise like the the cowboys is absolutely off the off the thing and like when you look at the you know starting 11 on both sides of the ball you see a really really good team and yeah they add like a cd lamb to go with michael gallup and mari cooper uh they obviously still have zeke and then their offensive line Maybe without Travis Frederick, that's a little bit of a step back, but they still mm. have plenty of good players like Zach Martin on that line. So the line should still be one of the better ones in the league. So I suppose for me, still, it kind of comes back to last year, which is like, you know, the defense is still a bit of a question. Like they've brought in a few veterans like Jeremy McCoy and Haha Clinton Dix. And then Trevon Diggs is a, was a fairly highly rated cornerback. Um, but you lose Byron Jones, you lose Robert Quinn, uh, you lose Dontari Poe. Uh, maybe that last one's less important, but I think, you know, Jones and Quinn were two of their better players in defense mm-hmm. last year. Uh, and like, you know, once again, there's still talent everyone. this. You still have Jalen Smith and Leighton Van Der Esch, if they can get back to where they were two years ago. Um, you still have Demarcus Lawrence. Um, but the secondary is probably for me, the biggest weakness on this team. So I feel like we've said that every year for yeah. the last three years. Like, But they have a, you know, the defensive coordinator, they got rid of him last year and now it's a different one again. again. Yeah, like, so they've got Trayvon Diggs coming in as well. They might yeah, have so, like, so like, it's, you know, like it feels like a team that should win plenty of games, but perhaps mm-hmm. it just will be a little bit leaky to kind of, in certain games against the best teams in the league, they may end up being a little bit too leaky to actually mm-hmm. keep up with them. Because I think, like, I really rate Dak Prescott. I think he's a very good quarterback, but he's not like... Uh, Russell Wilson or Patrick Mahomes bring you from behind type quarterback still. I kind of still feel mm-hmm. that when the defense can just um, zoom in on him and take away the run game completely, where Zeke is taking completely out, I don't think he's taking that next step. Obviously, he has that potential. I think he has that talent, but he hasn't done it yet because he hasn't had to really. So it'll be interesting to see that in this major year for him, whether he can combine like the Lottie statistics, which are going to come regardless, to be honest, with that opportunity to prove himself in those really tough games and in those key, uh, those key uh, clutch moments. So I think that's the big question for Dak Prescott. But I think this team is, as long as they're not affected by the injury bug, it's hard not to see them being one of the 
the major forces in the NFC, and it's just about whether they can, especially with the weakness of their division mostly this year. Um, so I expect them to do pretty well, and for Mike McCarthy to kind of start rebuilding his reputation. Yeah, um, not necessarily because I think he, he'll have changed the culture or whatever, but just because... I think it's a good team that Jason Garrett managed to bring to many wins several seasons. Um, so I'm pretty sure yeah. anyone can do so. <laughs> yeah, I kind of I get a feeling as well that Dak's going to have a big year this year, just because like yeah. to a certain extent this is going to be well. Obviously the weapons are there and everything, but also you don't want to say because the Cowboys fans will probably disagree with this. But like it's almost like he's basically auditioning for the other twenty uh, odd teams who don't have a fully yeah. set long term option well, quarterback is- like. It's a Kirk Cousins situation, but yeah, he's, yeah. Well, he's more talented than Kirk Cousins, and mm. that's he makes the money even more ridiculous to go yeah. on. Like the, the the only way, like like you know, because like we know the Cowboys always play close to the year in terms of their cap. If the cap starts going down next season, uh, it's mm-hmm. going to get pretty explosive there because Dak knows he's got all the leverage right now, and he's going to make sure that they. Uh, I'm sure he wants to make sure that they feel as much pain as possible. If they really, really can't manage their cap enough to get him, get him the money he wants. No, of course. So how many, how many wins have you got them getting? So I'm going eleven and five. That's good enough for the number two seed in the uh, NFC, which mm-hmm. I see is more or less top heavy, and going on the divisional round. Yeah, I have them going thirteen and three, which is good for the second seed. Similar kind of little bit of top heaviness going on there. Uh, I don't know where I have them going out. I think maybe they get to. I can't remember if they make the championship game of the division. They don't make the Super Bowl, but I, remember, I can't remember exactly what I... I should have really written that down when I was doing my results for the uh, for the season, <laughs> but look, we'll survive. Uh, next up, the Eagles. So they have added a big big, big additions at uh, defensive backs. So Darius Slay, Will Parks, Nickel Roby Coleman. They also added Javon Hargrave, Jatavius Bryant, Jalen Rager, uh, Jalen Hurts, Jason Peters. So many Js. Um, <laughs> they lost Vitae and Brooks, uh, Jenkins, Ronald Darby. Bradham, Jernigan, and Curry. Oh, Curry just came back today, so... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Curry, yeah, yeah. So he's resigned, yeah. Jesus, yeah. But this is, this is how quick everything's moving at this point in the season. <laughs> so the Eagles, yeah. I always feel we get to we get to the start of the season, we always kind of go, man, there's a lot of talent on this team. Like, can the, can the additions catch the ball? Because they've been lacking that for a bit. They've got real good rotation on that defensive line, but, you know... Can they make it, and will their quarterback stay healthy for the entire year? Like these questions have been the same, even the year that they won Super Bowl, it was the same fucking questions. Yeah. They have overhauled the defense a good bit, huge big section of new DBs, new D linemen in place. Do we think that that will be able to gel quickly for them, uh, or is that going to take a year to to, to bed in? Uh, like a lot of them are are more experienced as well so maybe it'll be a bit quicker to 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 gel i I think it'll be kind of kind of i think they'll have some bad games like they still have Mm. jim schwartz as their dc he's done a solid job there i just think there's a few holes there that they may end up being they'll have a couple of games where they end up getting blown out but i think they'll be solid enough mostly to keep them going it's just a matter i suppose for the eagles because they won that super bowl the expectations a bit higher but i think as you Mm. as you rightly point out they're never they're never a team that succeeds in a kind of consistent way, let's say, especially given the injury profile that Carson Wentz has had since he's been the franchise quarterback for this team. And so you're looking at a team that's kind of like, there is plenty of really good talent. Like obviously Fletcher Cox is a major talent on that defense. They have some young, interesting players in their secondary and on offense. Yeah. We know Carson Wentz can be a great quarterback. It's just, he gets injured so often 
and in such key key times. Like last year was one of his better years, and then he gets injured, you know, in the first quarter of the playoffs, and you're kind of like, this is, you know, it's unfair to him because it's like well, you played nearly all the season, um, and now you get knocked out. But it's hard to shake that, you know, reputation. And yeah. obviously, with Jalen Hurts brought in from the draft uh, as a kind of maybe as an option quarterback, that puts a little bit more pressure on him. But, you know, there are some gaping holes uh, on the offense in terms of the wide receiver core. Like that wide receiver core, you have Alshon Jeffrey, you know, Deshaun Jackson, Jalen Rhaegar. These are all question marks. Maybe even J.J. Arcega, Whiteside, if you want to go uh, retro on it. So I think there is question marks certainly there about how consistent that offense will be as well. I think their offensive line should still be pretty solid, um, even with the uh, Brandon Brooks injury. Um, and then Miles Sanders. He's got a Sanders, decent run game in Miles yeah. Sanders. That, so. Yeah, Sanders and Scott did pretty well last year. So if they if they you know keep where they were at the end of last season, it should be good. So like, it's a team. Like I think you know, whereas with Cow- with the Cowboys, you kind of look at their top talent. You go, oh, those guys will definitely there, and they're pretty much spread over the entire roster. I kind of feel with the Eagles. There's lots of players there with really high upside, and it's a team that has high upside because I, I think Pedersen has proven himself to be a good coach with this team. But it's also a team that, you know, injuries have, have been absolutely endemic with them, and they've already lost Brooks' yeah. injury, you know, and Carson Wentz is a major question mark, and their wide receivers. So it's a team that, like, I'm willing to trust that Pedersen can make them competitive, even if they do suffer. But for mm-hmm. them to take the leap and take on the Cowboys seriously, they'll need to have a bit more luck. Uh, than usual and they'll need to be able to cover their the, the holes in the roster particularly in the offense um, and kind of still be able to get a consistent offense out of that because I think there was certainly times last year when you were watching this offense uh, even you know give like you know they lost to Sean Jackson people were like oh that's why the, the like the, the offense kind of slowed down you're like look Deshaun Jackson is a, is a good player but he's not an entire offense so you know you do have to have questions about whether they can just create consistent offense for Carson Wentz keep him safe behind that offensive line and just get those quick plays, get those chunk plays, get that defense, like the offense working on a consistent basis and not be so reliant on him or Sanders or someone else doing crazy plays to get the whole thing working. So, you know, I think they're a solid team, but they're, they're, they perhaps just have a few more gaps in their roster than a, a team like Dallas do right now, at least on their starters. So I'm, I'm fairly optimistic about them and they were one of those teams I could certainly see being one of the surprise packages of the, t- the year and, and, and doing another, uh, doing another big run if things go right. But, uh, you know, I think just recent years, they've just not had that look, and I'm, I'm not willing to kind of hand them the, the luck bowl quite yet. No, of course. You have them going 10 and 6. Uh, yeah. I also uh, have them going 10 and 6. Actually, bizarrely, I was looking at this earlier. I think we, the NFC East, I think, is our division that we agree the most on on yeah. where the final records of these teams will be. So yeah. I have that, that, on my listing, that makes them seventh seed, and you get them in the fifth seed, right? Yeah, not a huge difference to be honest. No, no, no. And you have them, unfortunately, going out in the wildcard round, but hey, we'll see how it goes. Um, yeah, so decent looking season, but, you know, some people will need to step up for it to go any further than that. Giants, I feel a bit bad about this now looking back at it because I think I've, I was too harsh at some parts of this. But, uh, okay, <laughs> so they added head coach Joe Judge. Uh, they've added James Bradbury, Xavier McKinley, Blake Martinez, Kyler Frackwell, uh, Andrew Thomas and Cam Fleming. They lost Eli Manning. Oh, no. Mike Grammers, Cody Adamora, Russell Shepard, uh, Nate Soldier due to the COVID stuff. They also lost Alec Ogletree, Mark Dion Buchanan, Kareem Martin, Michael Thomas and Antoine Batea. So, question marks around this team, obviously on question of the relative unknown that is Joe Judge how will he perform will he be able to pull something out of this team Daniel Jones obviously kind of some good games some bad games hugely inconsistent in year one what can we expect out of him and then 
the big one is that they've essentially blown up the defense. Like that's what five or six starters that we've mentioned that are that are not coming back this year. Uh, they've added a lot of players to, particularly DB and linebacker. Like, will that be able to gel or not? I kind of on the defense side of things, I kind of feel like it has to be a bit better than it was last year because it was just awful last year. The one thing I'm thinking though is when I look at the the amount of wins I gave them, I I, I think I like Daniel Jones more than the amount of wins I gave them. Like I, I, I'm not willing to to say Danny Dimes is is a bad quarterback yet, and he showed certainly flashes of being a but like being worth the type of draft capital they put into him. But like I think most of what I don't like about them is the defense. Like the defense is just given where Joe what Joe Judge has brought in, they'll probably be churning this defense quite heavily. Like I know they tag Leonard Williams, but he's really you know I think they just did that because they wanted to spend some money on it. And obviously now they've lost DeAndre Baker, like their first round pick last year. Mm-hmm due to his legal situation and you know like just top to bottom i go through this like defensive roster and there's just a very big lack of like blue chip talent like there's kind of maybe a handful of young players like dexter lawrence who who, who might be worth looking at but you know you're bringing in blake martinez kyler fackerel like you're relying oh, on players like marcus gold and these are all these are all good players to have as your you know maybe your rotational pieces but these are going to be starters in this team and you're kind of going I always, I'm not I always, sure how this is going to work. I always think like the, the best explanation I ever got of Blake Martinez was if you want a guy that will always make the tackle, he will always make the tackle. He'll make it five yards after he should have made it, but he will always make the tackle. <laughs> yeah, but if you're five yards out, that's usually not <laughs> exactly. useful. But uh, like, look, like I think you know Bradbury is a good cornerback. I do rate him, and, uh, and I think that's a decent pickup. And Andrew Thomas will now be expected to, to jump straight in for Nate Solder at left tackle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was considered to be most pro-ready if not the most high upside uh, tackle in the draft this year. And, you know, like, I think the major thing for them is at least they're past the Eli Manning era. They're fully into the Daniel D- Danny Dimes era. And I think, you know, for me, just that defense is so bad, I could just see them losing a lot of close games, just not being able to keep up. But I think given that they have Saquon and, you know, if Evan Ingram comes back, that'd be good. And they have a, you know, I think they could probably do it a wide receiver one, but they have a decent clutch of decent decent enough players like Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton that they should be productive enough but I just don't see the kind of upside for them I think they'll I think they'll be fun to watch but I just don't see them as being a very good winning team based on where they are and I think with the exception of one of their other like one of their other compatriots in the division I just see them as one of the worst teams in the league right now and I think Joe Judge you know he'll be given at least one year to totally turn over this roster so I expect Maybe year two is where you could see Daniel Danny Dimes having a true opportunity to, to show off his wares and be part of a winning organization. But uh, this year, under Jason Garrett and Joe Judge, he, he might he might have to suffer the slings and arrows of a, a bad defensive roster and all the implications of that. So I have them going 3-13, 15th in the NFC. So, you know, I think they, at least they'll have some optimism after the year, but I think they'll just lose a lot of games because... They can't keep up. Yeah, um, I got the same. I got three and thirteen. And that's why I kind of kind of looking at going. Well, I don't, I don't hate the offense, but yeah, I think it's just like it was just like I just couldn't find the games where, oh yeah, on on a given day, I would expect these guys to 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 beat them more than like yeah. you know three out of every ten times kind of thing. It's a full teardown, so whatever. Yeah, yeah. it's fine. And like I said, like they've got the excuses as well of like losing their first round pick from last year and all that kind of stuff, so it'll be fine. Next on to the Washington football team. Go the football teams. 
We discussed him a little bit earlier. They've added head coach Ron Rivera. Uh, they've also added Chase Young, Kendall Fuller, Ronald Darby, Sean Davis, Peyton Barber, J.D. McKissick, Kyle Allen, and Wes Schweister. Uh, they lost Jay Gruden, Trent Williams, Darius Geis, Chris Thompson, Jordan Reed, Vernon Davis, Quinton Dunbar, Josh Norman, Craven Webster. I will say, just reading through this list, like they got rid of a load of players that they weren't getting any real production or value out of. Like yeah. this, I always forget just how shit a roster the Mazunkus had last <laughs> yeah. year. Like the, yeah. the first, the first step is admitting you have a problem, right? Exactly. At least the the football team has managed to, mm. and I'll be referring to them simply as the football team from here on out. At least they've recognised that and they're doing a full rebuild. I think, given uh, this sounds horrible, but the best thing about having this team is the fact that the you know the, the scandal that happened in the organisation now means that Ron Rivera can basically do what he needs to do and won't have as much interference probably from the ownership group and the executive group who are mm-hmm. all terrible people and also terrible at football. Just zeros all all round for that, those people who've been making decisions in this team previously. So it's a really good opportunity for Ron Rivera to prove that he can build a team from the ground up and make it a success. Now, some of the foundation pieces that he's been given... <laughs> Uh, uh, I don't want to say they're problematic, but they're they're not they're, they're not giving a huge amount of hopes. Like Dwayne Haskins, I've seen some people on YouTube or in the media kind of trying to go, oh, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad, and there was improvements as he went on. Maybe, but he was also really bad. Like he was yeah. the worst rookie quarterback by far last year, and he's probably one of the worst rookies that I've seen with that type of uh, draft capital in many years mm-hmm. um, of, of, of looking at this kind of stuff. And, you know, they obviously lose Darius Geist due to his horrible uh, legal illegal actions. So now they're back to Adrian Peterson has been there, expected running ah, back. On, or Bryce Antonio Lund. Gibson's going to take over. I don't think it's more <laughs> of a gadget type player. So I, I, maybe he can take it up. Maybe he can do an Austin Eckler on it. But And then you have yeah. Terry McLaurin and that's it. Basically, yeah, Terry McLaurin is pretty fucking. Tough. Yeah, and then like, Stephen, <laughs> if, if you care about fantasy, you can pretend he's good. And like, obviously, they 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 traded away Trent Williams, so the offensive line is also a, is a work in progress. So the entire offense is just massive, massive question marks. Don't know where you're going to get production. And given that for the last, like the second half of last year, they literally just gave up on running modern football and just ran Adrian Peterson so he could get more yards and like pass out a few more people like Barry Sanders. Like, I don't know what the new plan is going to be under Ron Rivera. Like, we've seen Ron Rivera kind of have different offenses, but given, you know, his his, his biggest stint was at Carolina, where you have a quarterback like a Cam Newton who kind of warps the offense around him. Um, it'll be interesting to see what him and uh, Scott Turner uh, choose to do with that offense. And then on the defense, the defense actually is why I don't have them going like 0-16, and because I think there's a lot of very interesting young talent on that de- defense like Montez Sweat, Jonathan Allen in the defensive line. I think they've probably one of the better defensive mm-hmm. lines in the league. If they, they all do, yeah. But they've also got apps fuck all in the back end. Yeah, well, I think linebacker, they could probably do with some help. And I think Ruben Foster is back, but you know, given his legal issue, I'm not sure uh, how good that is. And Ryan Anderson, I think, did okay for the last yeah, year. Also, by the way, like, as... as, as as, as, as we're going to do the good right thing with Darius Geis and then the following day just oh yeah Ruben Foster class like yeah. come on let's <laughs> think about the fucking optics at least but they bring in Ronald Darby who's always been a solid player for the Eagles and London Collins is still there and I think yeah it, like the secondary isn't the strength but it's not the worst secondary in the league certainly compared to something like not there anymore so so like I don't I, like there's the 
the questions on, on offense are so out there that I, I, I have a feeling that Rivera will give it a shot, find that this offense is needs a full rebuild, and that Dwayne Haskins may end up you know, being out in his ass if he doesn't improve very, very quick. And Alex Smith will have it taken over by week yeah. five, right? And Rivera has the organizational clout, because they've basically said, Rivera, we're shit, we're so bad, please, please make our team look not the most horrible team in the league. Uh, so he, has, he can just do whatever he wants. So I think this year will be quite interesting to see, but I just think that, that the deficit of talent on the offense means that they will end up looking a lot like last year where they just can't get any points. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Terry McLaurin, like, working his heart out. And Adrian Peterson or perhaps Bryce Love or perhaps your boy uh, ending up getting a lot, a lot of runs. So I, I think Rivera, he'll see what he has. He can see what he do. And maybe, yeah, with Chase Young and the other guys you have in the defense, maybe they can have a dominant defense. But at best, that just makes them competitive but boring. Um, and I don't really see that being good enough in today's NFL. So I'm we're, going two and four. agreement on this. Two and fourteen in the sixteenth seed. Oh, yeah. oh, it's not good. No, it's the grim not. start. The grim start. But this, this is a if the Giants is like, oh, they'll have to start rebuilding in situ. This is more like, yeah, you're just tearing the whole thing down right now. That's that's just how it's going to go. Yeah, I don't expect great things. I expect we'll see is a lot of roster turnover. against a lot of people who will find some people will have good roles. Like Terry will probably do well. We'll probably see one of these younger running backs kind of take over a bit of the position and that kind of stuff, and then kind of plan for the future but i just can't see the success this year for them so i suppose we'll move to the nfc north okay the bears the bears they've added nick Foles, robert quinn dion bush Jalen johnson arnie byrne jimmy cole Kemet, demetrius harris oh my god and uh ted Ginger. they just catch this is sad um they've lost nick uh kowatowski that are Pierre Louise, Nick Williams, Eddie Goldman, and Jordan Lucas, both the COVID, Prince Mukamara, Havik, and Clinton Dix, Kyle Young, Trey Burton, and Taylor Gabriel. Yeah, this is this is not great reading, to be honest. Uh comes in. Is he gonna actually challenge for a starting job? They're paying him enough money for it. They've not picked up Trubisky's option. But Nick Foles has also not been able to wasn't able to win the job in Jacksonville. He hasn't played a full season in I don't know how long. I think this might be the worst quarterback situation in the NFL. Uh, like, well, this 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 kind of feels like Nick Foles. It's happening to him all the time now. Where like like a team is good based around the good defense, and then things go downhill and the team panics because their quarterback their their deficiencies can't be hidden anymore. And they get in Nick Foles, but by the time he brings in, the defense is on the downslide, and there's nothing they can do about it. And that's exactly what happened in Jacksonville, and now it's repeating itself in in Chicago. Because like the de- like the offense, like like I could like like obviously Matt Nagy has a relationship uh, from from you know because he's from the kind of the school like the Andy Reid school, which obviously is where he had success with Doug yeah. Pedersen in in Philadelphia. So if you look at the DNA, maybe it works there. But on the offense, you know, like the I don't know what they're doing at tight end. Like, I know they traded away to Adam Shaheen, but they bring in Jimmy Graham and give him a bunch of money. And like, Jimmy Graham and Demetrius Harris. like Yeah, and like Cole Komet in the draft, maybe he can be the guy and actually be good. But like the, the offense is just very, very sketchy. Like they bring in Fetty, who was like a, like a, a flag machine to, to, to be a starter on their offensive line. You know, outside of Alan Robinson, who's really going to make big plays here? Like Tariq Cohen is a is a fun gadget player, but you can't build an offense around him. And David Montgomery, maybe he can improve after a fairly you know uh, lackluster year one. And then of course, like we we know this is a, de- a team that, that that traditionally, even though they have Matt Nagy as their 
head coach who's obviously an offensive type coach. Like they, they were a team that built their success under Pagano uh, as a defense, as a defensive first mm-hmm. team. And they, they obviously still want to do that because they invested a lot of money into players like Robert Quinn uh, and Jalen Johnson early on in the draft. Uh, like Robert Quinn, a lot of money in free agency. But they've lost a lot of pieces. Like Eddie Goldman losing him to opt out, that's a huge loss for him. He's been a great safety for them. And, you know, we know that if, mm-hmm. if you start losing those defensive backs, suddenly things start opening up, things get a lot more problematic. And, you know, players like Kwiatkowski and Leonard Floyd and Kevin Pierre-Lewis and Nick Williams, these guys, I don't think none of them have been, like, elite players, but they all make it a little bit more. And Prince of Mikamura is another one where it's kind of they're losing that depth. And you're wondering, like, yes, this still got Khalil Mack, so there's something there. Akeem Hicks is pretty good. Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith. So, you know, there's still talent there, but this is a defense that, given where they are on offense, given their quarterback situation, kind of needs to do a lot of work to make them a relevant team. And I'm worried that they can't do that. And of course, if you you go behind too much, Khalil Mack, he's a great player, but he's not going to be that much of a help if you're 10, 14, 21 points down. And that's the kind of situation yeah. I could easily see this Bears team end up in because, you know, the defense is getting weaker every year and the offense hasn't really taken a step forward with the current quarterback situation. And Matt Nagy, maybe to a certain extent, has been figured out, perhaps, to a certain extent as well. The this year he had success with so much gadget plays, you know, and now they've got rid of Taylor Gabriel. I think he was emblematic of mm-hmm. that. Maybe it's biased towards Nagy because he came from KC, but I just think there's not a lot you can do with like, Trubisky at quarterback. Like, he... Can't uh, like what was it? the running joke for a year and a half is he can't pass left. <laughs> like you know, you forget just how limiting this guy is. And he was picked before Nagy was in the building, yeah. so he's been wed to him without a choice. Maybe, like, maybe uh, <laughs> Nagy's biggest problem might have been that he 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 made him look too good in year one and couldn't get rid of him. Now. It's too late now because I think if if they have a bad year, there's a very good chance Nagy will be out the door. So maybe they'll mm-hmm. bring in the enemy instead. Like uh, but like no. I think ne- like some of these moves here speak to me of a head coach, an organization that needs to win now and can't afford to have another season yeah. like they had last season. And that's like, usually, that, 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 that often doesn't work out, to be honest. Like, like you see, like they're just, they're stocking up on loads of tight ends and they're not great tight ends, but you know, they're just tight ends. And that is the kind of the, we have a limited quarterback. We need to just be using tight ends. We need to put three tight ends on the field and like kind of run routes that he doesn't have to look more than his second read and no further than eight yards down the field. Like they're they're building it to take the ball as much out of the hands yeah. of Trubisky as they can, and that's never a good sign. Yeah, and Montgomery didn't really show enough to kind of make us think that he. Could I like Montgomery. Him. I think I he's think a solid good. player, but I don't know is is he like a Saquon or Ezekiel Elliott who can carry the team, be the heartbeat of the offense? Didn't see enough of him in that role. Um, I don't know. I think I think I think he didn't do a ton of that last year, but like he was good, and I think the game plan couldn't allow because they were down by so much so early so often they couldn't use him as much as they'd like to. Yeah, yeah. I, I I could see an increased role this year, particularly with like what they'll use is multiple tight end sets and then they can use, because, like, look, Demetrius Harris has stone hands, but he's a decent blocker. So they could start to run, like, block coverage off tight end stuff and a bit more disguise stuff. Like, it'll be, don't be the jet sweeps with Gabriel from three years ago, but it'll be something a little bit different, hopefully. Well, I'm not, I'm not optimistic myself. I have them going uh, four and 12, 13 seed in the NFC, so. I got, I got six and 10. Yeah, so I don't think either of us are particularly uh, yeah. looking at the upside here. No, 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 no. Uh, speaking of, don't think there's a ton of upside. The Lions, huzzah! 
They've added Jeff Akuda, Desmond Trufant, um, Deron Harmon, Daryl Roberts, DeAndre Swift, Fightyson, Jamie Collins, Nick Williams, Danny Shelton, Reggie Ragland. They got rid of Darius Slay, Rashawn Melvin, Tavon Wilson, Graham Glasgow, Ricky Wagner, Russell uh, Bodine from the COVID stuff, Devon Kennard, Ashawn Robinson, Snacks Harrison, and Mike Daniels. So Patricia, to be honest, I think we we're all expecting will be gone this year. He got the backing of the owner, uh, <laughs> who then said, look, we're going to give him one more year and see what can happen. So Patricia's decided, okay, let's grab any vaguely New England or New England-ish defensive player and see if I can get back to where, you know, Big Daddy Bill was able to do for me when I was living there. Like, the the, the hope, I suppose, is that Stafford looked good before he got injured last season. And if he could do that and if that was sustainable, they'd be a much better offense and maybe wouldn't be so much pressure on it. They've picked up Swift to give some strength to the offense, like, challenge carry on Johnson who's never really emerged properly as that RB1 that everyone thought he could be and like hope that throwing all these players at the defense will merge into some kind of cohesive unit like I'll be honest I don't know outside of stupidity why Patricia is still the head coach I would have gotten rid of him a year or two ago but I don't like him white privilege basically (laughs) yeah pretty much considering Bill Belichick adjacency yeah, like, you know, they had Jim Caldwell there. And, like, let's be honest, they were, like, a perpetual 8-8-type eight and eight, like type team under mm-hmm. Caldwell. But that's better than what Patricia was doing. And yet they decided to fire Caldwell. And, like, Caldwell at least had some record in the league. And, I don't know, Patricia, you know, this is year three of him. And this looks like more the moves of a team that's in a full rebuild, rebuild mode. And you're kind of worrying, look, lad, like, you're, 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 this is supposed to be when you've found your identity and it just seems like you're just throwing shit at the wall um and i think we we saw i think you, you said we saw glimpses of this offense coming together and even the defense being okay early on last year yeah. first um, four games or so it looked decent yeah and you know until stafford got injured when things completely fell out and you can't blame them too much for that but i think mm-hmm. you, you've seen enough glimpses that you're kind of like okay i can kind of see that there's upside here but Every time that you kind of feel like they might do something, you you know, just Matt Patricia just seems to doesn't seem to have the right I don't want to say energy, but just not the right attitude to be a head coach. Like all we know is that he falls out with players. Like they trade away Darrett Big Base Big Place Lay, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, because yeah. he doesn't respect them. And we're hearing rumor after rumor that he doesn't respect his players, he doesn't treat them like adults, that he's trying to act like Belichick, where it's like, oh, I know what I'm doing, you don't. And it's rubbing a lot of players up the wrong way. And like in the short run, he's probably going to find out that that doesn't work with the NFL unless you've got the bona fides, unless you actually are Bill Belichick, people aren't going to respect you for that shit. And like the roster is fine. Like I I still think it's got the same problem the Lions have had for the last, uh, I want to say like five years, which is that the roster is fine. It's it's not great. It's not terrible. You know, not good, not terrible. 3.5 runs, whatever. Like Matt Stafford is a good quarterback. I think we saw glances of him you know, being back to maybe better Matt Stafford. Stafford. Yeah, if, if we can be like that. And yeah, DeAndre Swift is an interesting player. Let's see if he can rest that running back uh, backfield away from uh, on Johnson. And, you know, they have Kenny Galday, so and TJ Hawkinson maybe can make the leap in year two. And the offensive line is fine. Like, it's got plenty of, like, decent players like Taylor Decker, Frank Ragnow. Uh, and the defense, yeah, like, you know, they spent all that money on Trey Flowers last year, and now they're just throwing the money at players like uh, Danny Shelton, uh, Jeff Fakuda, they picked in the draft. Desmond Trufant, like yeah, like Jamie, like 
a lot of names in free agency and then a fair few players in the draft as well. But you're kind of like, like Matt Patricia obviously has a defensive background. That's supposed to be his strength. But they've never put together a defense that was good, possibly even mediocre. They've just never did what he's supposed to be good at. And you have to wonder if he's never able to do that, then what's the point of having as your head coach? So like, I'm not willing to say that they'll definitely be a terrible team and that they're going to do badly, but they just kind of feel quite lionsy, where they're more likely to end up in the mediocre pack than they are to, to break through into actually being a contender. I don't have to say they're terrible. I think they're going to win some of the yeah. games that I've given them by accident. Like I don't think yeah. they're good. I don't trust. I don't trust the coach. I don't trust a lot of the plan. I don't trust a lot of the players they brought in. I think this is what what used to be a consistent middle of the pack. Like oh, yeah. you know, four out of five stars on an Amazon review kind of thing. It's yeah. now gone down to a well, it's two and a half, and then the occasional person says, "Oh man, that's 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 three and a half, and that's the height." <laughs> The highest yeah. you can aim for is less than it was beforehand when it was an 8-18. and 18. Yeah, and they're, they're just kind of in that, the worst and mediocre zone, just being in that, yeah, like I have them going 7-9, and nine, and I just kind of think that's where they're going to be, maybe 8-8, eight and eight, but it's just, I don't know. Like, if, if they stay fully healthy, I could see them as an 8-8, eight and eight, maybe even a 9-17, but I just don't see them as being relevant when things actually get serious in the uh, NFC. Yeah, I got them going 6-10, and 10, and I think they look into one or two of those wins. I just... I don't get like even things like oh Reggie Ragland he's who you're bringing in to help that linebacker situation <laughs> like you're gonna lose I'm like you might not rank them all but like they're losing three offensive linemen that were all playing for them last year like whatever you think of them I don't think they've brought in guaranteed improvements at those positions yeah like I don't see the huge jump they're gonna have at wide receiver they still got that mix mess of a lot of kind of B one B's not one A's what? everywhere. That's unfair to Galladay. I think Galladay could be an A, but uh... maybe. But like, but to be honest, like Galladay, Galladay would be perfect if he was sitting against a new Hopkins or against a yeah. Like he's he's perfect for that role. He's he's a stretch to be your 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 one A guy. Like he's good, but I think and I and to be honest, I think he's also hampered a bit by. I just don't think the system that they're running there is actually all that good. But hey, look, I'm biased against the Lions. I just I, I think I've thought they're shit for years. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, come at me, Lions fans. I don't care. Uh, six and ten. You guys suck. Packers. Huzzah. These guys did well last year, and everyone's kind of a little bit unsure as to exactly how that happened. Uh, <laughs> it's true. It's true. They brought in the flower, the flower, the beautiful flower, and he redid the offense and then decided, you know what? Fuck Aaron Rodgers. We're drafting a quarterback in the first round. Jordan Love <laughs> has been added. AJ Dillon at running back, Ricky Wagner at offensive tackle, and Christian Kirksey at linebacker. They've lost Brian Balaga, Jared Valdir, John O'Allison, Jimmy Graham, Devin Funches, Blake Martinez, Kyler Frackwell, and Tremone Williams. So, yeah, I, like I, thought, this... I thought the problem with Green Bay back in the day with Mike McCarty is that they didn't do anything in the offseason, and now they got like four players, and one of them's a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, it's so strange. Although, the thing is, like, they added a load of, they added a load more players, though, didn't they? It's just that we don't yes. rank them and we don't think but they're, they're going to start. They're not, yeah. Because like, if I remember correctly, didn't they draft every other position apart from wide receiver, wide receiver yeah. until like <laughs> the end of the seventh round? Yeah, so quiet off season. Everyone looked at it and said, man, you guys did really well. Like you're what, 13 and three top seed. If you'd like another weapon on the outside, then that'd be great. And they went, no, 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 no. We've one of the most 
because he's not the stereotypical. We have one of the most, you know, productive running backs. So we're going to draft a running back to replace them. And then we've got, a, we've got a really good quarterback. So we're going to draft a quarterback to replace them. And we'll, fig- we'll figure out the wide receiver thing later on. Like, it's it's fine. So now we've, we're going into the season where this is a team that maybe, you know, was, was clearly championship window push. Even if you don't think they should have won the 13 games, say they go 11 wins instead of 13 or 10. They're still making the playoffs there and they should be in push mode. And everything they did this offseason stinks of... This is planning for the next four or five years, not for the next year or two. Fair enough. Like that's fine, I suppose. I don't have a, I don't object to it, but it does feel like what happened to Green Bay the last time they did well, like they were genuinely an NFC contender, that they kind of took their eye off the ball and they went, well, this is a good team, and why would we change it? And like that, that that's fair enough to a certain extent. But the teams that have done well in the last few years have tended to be ones who've being aggressive about filling the gaps that they saw on their roster and making sure that they were upgrading every offseason and never staying still and never getting complacent. And it just felt like this was a complacent offseason, except for uh, in Aaron Rodgers' case, where it's the opposite of that, where it's like, let's just literally go out and piss off Aaron Rodgers by trading up to pick Jordan Love in the first round. Like, literally, Aaron Rodgers is on, like, talk shows, uh, well, radio talk shows, talking about, you know, he was looking at the draft board going, oh, I, I really want to pick these wide receivers, and then it's Jordan Love, and he goes off and gets a whiskey, like, because he's like, <laughs> I can't believe this shit happened. And he's already talking about that he's not going to be on this team in a year or two. Like, he, he sees oh, the writing course. on the wall, and he's saying that in public. And it's Aaron Rodgers, so that could literally go either way. Like, I pissed off Aaron Rodgers. There's every chance that he'll decide, oh, you're going you're gonna to get rid of me, are you? Well, I'm going to be fucking electric and try and get back to where I was, like, at his mm-hmm. peak. Um, and absolutely blow the doors off. But there's also an extension on the agreement that they in his in his contract is that they have to trade Jordan Love. <laughs> exactly. And he, you know, maybe he can make that work. But like he does have the problem that, you know, outside Devontae Adams, uh, who's he throwing it to still? It's exactly the same problem they had last year. Yeah. And now it's still like, oh, uh, Mercedes Lewis at tight end. Oh, brilliant. Uh sorry. Like maybe, uh, then, maybe they got an idea of like they've got a wide yeah. receiver at running back, so now they've drafted a running back and they're gonna play AJ Dillon as wide receiver. Yeah, like I don't know. And like, yeah, they have like you know, they still have the fun name police, like Kumaro, Equinemia St. Brown. Equinemia St. Brown is still the best. There's a lot of good names there, but not good names in the sense of being good at football. And even even the I suppose the thing that they had last year where they had Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams is a good one-two punch. They bring in AJ Dillon and they're kind of like all right, let's mix that thing up too. Like Dylan's uh, apparently a bit of a of a beast of a man, like a like a kind of a sledgehammer type running back. But yeah. you know, like I they they I, I like I know Jones got a lot of touchdowns last year, but I don't think they ever really wanted to use him as much as they did. Yeah, so yeah. Dylan might get mixed in there. So the offense and they lose a couple of offensive linemen, which is a big deal, I think, for an offense that needs to have time to develop if it doesn't have anyone outside of Adams who can make space quickly. And the defense should be fine. I think Petten has shown that he can get decent talent get decent results out of this defense and you know they, they didn't really add anyone too amazing in this offseason in the draft or in the uh in free agency like Kirksey's the headliner that's not a huge difference but it was a good defense last year it's just a matter of whether it can be so I think like they'll still be a very solid team since they are literally more or less using the same team as last year yeah or you know I think we both went last year like I think as you kind of alluded to we're not really sure how they did so well last year. We're not really sure that they were that good. And yet they have yeah. that roster. They had that record. They have Aaron Rodgers for now. And you're kind of going, 
okay, look, if, the, if it worked last year with bringing in the Lafleur uh, and the kind of more run-centered game and use Rodgers better in theory, he didn't seem happy about it, but he was used better perhaps earlier in his career, then I suppose they can still probably make a decent hash of this and, and be still a very competitive team in the NFC. But, you know, compared to some of the other teams who are really, you know, taking over the league right now, they feel they still feel a little bit stayed, to be honest. And you wonder yeah. how they'll do when they get into the uh, into the upper echelons uh, of the uh, of the playoffs. You know, mm-hmm. they were bullied off by San Francisco last oh, year. Oh yeah, kind like of, they. But the thing, like, they just they just felt like they were ill-equipped to be there, and like they they were one of those ones where like there is possibly an argument made of they they were worse off for having the week off and just being out of rhythm or something, but like. They were manhandled, and that was that was the thing we were saying all of last season was that like they were winning these games, but like they weren't being pushed. Anytime they were pushed, they were dropping a game, or they were getting lucky on a special teams move or something to kind of pull it out at the end. That they didn't seem like a resilient thirteen win team. They felt like a ten win and maybe beat someone in a in a in a lucky draw kind of thing. I've I, bizarrely, I've got the. I'm buying into the 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 pissed off Aaron Rodgers mode. I'm giving them 13 wins this season again, but this time I think we'll understand why. <laughs> and I have them 11 and five, making the NFC Championship, but uh, losing in that game. But uh, yeah, I think and, I think they'll win. A, they'll win plenty of games, but just never. I, I think the biggest problem is that they'll be benchmarked against those amazing Green Bay teams, and they're just nowhere near that right now. No, well, those they all had like five receivers who could all be thousand yard receivers. If they wanted to be, whereas now they've got, they've got yeah. And then, like, I think it's like, like I do, I do like something. Like, I like Equinia St. Brown. I like one or two of their other receivers, but we haven't seen them for a full season produce. Which Alan, is the Laz- Alan Lazard, that's a good name. Like, it's just a lot of good names. <laughs> it is a lot of good names, to be fair. Um, yeah. So we'll move on. Final one this week: uh, the Vikings. The uh, the. <laughs> God, the, the mediocre Kirk Cousinses. They've added Justin Jefferson, Tasha Sharp to wide receiver, uh, Jeff Gladney and Anthony Ziddle on the defense, and Ezra Cleveland and Blake Brandle on the offensive line. Uh, obviously, big news trade during the season. They during the offseason they uh, don't have Stefan Diggs anymore. Kevin Stefanski's gone. Everson Griffin, Linval Joseph, Stephen Weatherly, uh, Michael Pierce with COVID, Trey Waynes, Mackenzie Alexander, Xavier Rhodes, and Andrew Santejo. So. Kubiak is now in. He's got his own blocking scheme with Cousins there. Like, yeah, it's the same offense basically. It is, but, but my my issue is always Kirk Cousins is. It's like putting a limiter on your engine. Your car yeah. works fine, but it can't go to certain speeds. He will win you a certain number of games every year. He will not be competitive teams. He will not be top echelon teams. He's not that guy. You've taken one of his weapons away, and look. Okay, you've had a Justin Jefferson and Tajay Sharp, but I'd probably take a Stefan Diggs in that situation instead. I, I, I don't, I don't fully see what they're going for. I get that. Look, you don't need to emphasize Cousins in this offense. You're planning to run Cook into the ground. You don't need as much quality wide receiver on the outside. But like, like what's 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 taken this team that was a good version of Blur last year? and push it over the top this season because I don't no, see nothing, it. Nothing. <laughs> I agree. I agree completely. Like like I think the ZBS like the Kubiak scheme is a great floor scheme. It, mm-hmm. it really puts a good floor under how bad things can go. Like remember like like Kubiak was making Matt Schaub into a credible starting quarterback because <laughs> Arian Foster was getting like, you know, over a thousand yards easily in the scheme. 
Like this, this, this Kubiak Shanahan type scheme, it puts a floor under you, and that means that Kirk Cousins will never look so bad that they'll actually ever just cut bait with him and actually try to, you know, get a elite quarterback who they can become yeah. a, 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 a like a Super Bowl champion with. And then they lose Stefan Diggs, uh, and Stefanski is fine. Like you don't need him really because they're basically just running Kubiak's traditional scheme. Like Stefan Diggs is a major loss, and you're expecting Justin Jefferson to come in and kind of replace him straight off. And he's a rookie, and you have no uh, you have no preseason and all that kind of stuff. And I think you know Diggs. I know he was quite a problematic, and he had a, you know maybe wasn't complained the best a bit too much. Or complained like a bit too much, but he was a very good player, and he was very successful in that scheme and his great on play action. So now they go back to like Adam Thielen and see if he can stay healthy for a while, and then Justin Jefferson. For me, actually, the bigger issue is that the defense has lost a ton of talent. So now, many people there. Now the secondary players, I'm okay with because they've been kind of game planning for removing like getting to a new secondary for a number of years now mm. like they've been bringing in players like mike hughes they draft jeff gladney so i'm happy enough for to get rid of them because some of these guys that they've been hanging on to like uh trey waynes in particular but mackenzie alexander and xavier Rhodes, these guys just haven't really been playing at the level they did early in their careers but the defensive line for me is a bit of an issue because you lose everson griffin who you know when he hasn't had his mental health issues has been one of the best defensive ends in the league um, you lose Linval Joseph, you lose yeah. kind of your 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 weight in the middle, and you know in, in, you know they're probably okay at linebacker with Barr and Kendricks, but you know this is a defense that's obviously expected to do a fair amount of heavy lifting, and you're wondering that if you if you lose and Michael Pierce is a big loss who they picked up in free agency that he was probably expected to replace Joseph, so you're wondering here whether they might be a bit soft up the middle and maybe they can be bullied again because once again. Like they lost to San Francisco as well, a little bit of a trend here in the NFC North, and they were also bullied off the off the spot basically by San Francisco's run heavy approach. And you'd wonder, you know, they 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 try to bully back, but I think against you know the better teams that they might struggle to do so. Now I think the ZBS, as I say, puts a good floor under them. I think the defense still has enough talent, and with mm-hmm. Zimmer as the head coach, I think the defense will get a lot of attention that it won't fall off the cliff completely. But I just worry or are concerned that this is a team that's obviously come quite close to getting over the top but feels probably further away this season than it did for the last couple of seasons and then maybe they they need to do a more fundamental rethink of where they're going um mm-hmm. because this current this current iteration i just don't see it, it, it having any possibility of getting them to the promised land yeah i'm doing 10 and 6 and like a seventh like the last wild card like yeah, I have them nine and seven, and just missing it within the eighth seed instead of the seventh. Uh, I just, yeah, I just, I think, I think they're a little bit worse. Uh, I think they'll probably have a good run game, but I don't think that was what was holding them back. And I think the defense takes a step back this year. And I don't, I don't know what their plan is. Like they're locked in for two years with current quarterback situation. They've lost wide receivers. I don't see like Justin Jefferson. Yes, coming up could be very good, but like. I don't see where the replacement for a lot of the defense is coming in and stuff. I don't. I don't love this plan long term. All I can see is them just returning to mediocrity in two years' time. Like yeah, like that. Unless, unless they get lucky and they end up like drafting a good quarterback next year at like fifteen or whatever. <laughs> it's just a, yeah, it's a slow decline, and I think their moment has passed. But they're, they're, they'll still have enough talent that they'll kind of keep being in and about, but never really troubling the big the big guns in the NFL. No, of course, of course. Um, yeah, so that'll wrap up our, our previews for this week. So any uh, crack with yourself for the rest of the week or anything? Uh, no, it should be pretty quiet. There's a lot of football, big football games every every day for the next till next Wednesday, I think. Oh, so I think the champ, there's a Champions League game on for the next four days. 
and then the Europa League is on two days, then the Champions League is on another two days. <laughs> so it's pretty much football, 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 uh, if you're interested uh, every evening. Uh, soccer, I should say, for the for American listeners. <laughs> yeah, like that'll keep me busy. And other than that, just trying to get through this testing phase at work, it's just absolutely the most monotonous thing in my life. So I'm just trying to get past that and hopefully maybe look to do a holiday in September. Maybe that'd be nice. Very fun. What are you thinking? I'm imagining staycationing. <laughs> yeah, somewhere probably near enough Cork. Like I don't probably... Uh, I'm not, uh, don't drive, so probably, you know, don't want to be on a bus too long if you can avoid it. Mm. Sure, you know what the crack is. I'm planning, I'll be coming down towards Corkways in September. I can yeah, pop in I'll, and see you. I'll fun. work around that, obviously. I don't know, but even if you're away, Asher, I'll, I'll, I'll have no harm popping out, seeing a bit of, seeing a bit of nice, you know, <laughs> Middleton or whoever the fuck it is you decide to go to. Uh, probably somewhere on the coast, yeah. Yeah, it'd be nice. Uh, yeah, just good good to be back. We had a we had a thirty six hour window in which we were able to return. We managed to 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 make it back during that window. <laughs> so that was good. To land land border cross into uh into Turkey and then travel up to a to a small airport and yeah, it was it was, it was a fun adventure. <laughs> a fun adventure. Just, but uh yeah, yeah had just to good punch to be back. Hole in the box that you were stored in, you know. Like, <laughs> 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 not 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 a day to be stuck in a boot of a car. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but no, it should be uh, should be should be good fun. So yes. I suppose uh, well, next week will be our NFC South and West, and it'll wrap up our previews. And fingers crossed, we'll we'll also we'll bring you a we'll bring you a short review of the hard knocks and what's been happening so far up to that point. Because uh, everyone wants to know what your thoughts on a kind of NFL adjacent TV <laughs> program are a week after it was shown. Yeah, we'll, we'll swing for that next week. That'll be good fun. So, I suppose, uh, for now, it's uh, bye from Fitz. Bye. Bye from me. Uh, this has been all four quarters. Thanks for listening. And we'll chat to you next week. Bye.